That song is so spot on for where we're going to go in this series. I didn't like to admit that I was wrong. I got so caught up in my job, what I was supposed to do, that I didn't see what was going on. As we dive into a series the next four weeks on religion, as we dive in and see what God has for us, I pray that we would stop and we would ask God to help us see what's going on, that we wouldn't miss what God has for us. Because we tend to want to do things our own way. And as we'll learn today, that is what religion is, is trying to do this walk with Jesus without Jesus. Trying to do this our way. Welcome to Faith Promise today. My name is Zach Stevens. I'm our global student pastor. Uh, we've had something going on this week called Movement Conference. Uh, it's been absolutely incredible. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of students have filled uh, Pellissippi and filled Johnson University. And it's called, it's been, this year it's been called Running Wild. Uh, movement, the theme was Running Wild. And what it was is Running Wild after God's presence. And we have ran wild. And they, there hasn't been a ton of showers Okay, and, uh, and, and they don't sleep a ton, okay, but, but we've made it here. We've made it. They, at every campus, there will be students at the last service going crazy, and I'm telling you, it is a sight to behold to see a room just absolutely just covered with students. Uh, and you know what? It's not all about the loud music. It's not all about the lights and the smoke. On Saturday night, we all, we all got very quiet, no music, no nothing, and, and they got all over the room, and we prayed that God's presence would absolutely engulf us, that God's presence would absolutely move on us. But faith promise, the one thing that I believe snuffs out God's presence, the absolute fastest in today's church, is religion. And I believe that it's something that we can't let stand. At faith promise, I feel like we need to be a, a front runner in putting religion aside and picking up the gospel. And I want to encourage you that God has an absolutely incredible message for us this weekend and every weekend leading uh, into this series. And I want to ask you, if you're out of town, if you go on vacation, please go on vacation. Have a great time with your family. But get on the iCampus. Watch these messages. Pastor brings us closer and closer to where God would have us view uh, of our relationship with him and not how the world would. There is so much freedom in this series. So again, we're, we're, we're coming out of movement. And we're heading into a new series, and we're so, so excited. But religion is kind of a... It's kind of an odd word. It's kind of ethereal and lofty. And, and it's, maybe it's hard to wrap our, our minds around sometimes. So I actually had a way that, that I wanted to show you what religion was where you could see it. But before I show you that, I, I, I want to tell you a sentence that you're going to see all throughout this series. One that we have to wrap our mind around. And it's, we must beat the rap of religion or else we will become religious people and ruin everything. When I said that religion snuffs out the presence of God, that would, in my opinion, that would be religious people ruining things. And I don't believe that with, with our culture today, with the terrorist attacks, with the hatred, with the racism, with the divorce, with the anxiety, with the depression, that list goes on and on. I don't believe we have any more room for religious people. I believe we need some gospel. Amen. Can we get behind that faith promise? So religious people ruin everything. Here's what I like to do. You know, today, I know religion is lofty, and I want to kind of put it on our level so that we can really understand it. Now, if you were here last weekend, Pastor Matt showed some videos of me uh, apparently working out. Said, Zach Fit um, hurt my feeling. Uh, I've got the one, and he heard it. 
but you know, Pastor Matt, he's the pastor on Blunt Camps. He's an incredible man. He was my pastor for a long time. And uh, he actually was so kind to let me borrow a couple of videos from his past today uh, <clears throat> uh, so that I could help us see what religion was. So can we just watch those clips together real quick? Can we get your step right over here on my light shining at? I need you to help me out. We're going to make up a line. Can you hold on to the end of that tape for me real tight? Let's put that on the ground, right there in front of us. Let's see right here. Okay. 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 Can I take your driver's license out of your wallet? Now they had they had caught Pastor Matt. You know he was driving around. I think he said he was looking for Pokemon. Uh, you know, and he was he he had. And I'm just joking. That that is not Pastor Matt. However, those are some field sobriety tests. And, and I believe, I really do believe, that whenever we try to use religion to span the gap between a sinless God and a sinful people, that's what we look like. When we try to pass the test of eternity with our good works and with our religious attitude, that's what we look like. But just like a driver who is driving under the influence is dangerous to everybody around. Maybe your life has been impacted by, by a drunk driver. Maybe that's affected you. If, if somebody is driving on the road while intoxicated, they are a danger to everyone. And I'm here to, I, I really believe this faith promise. I believe that Christians who are flying down the highway, driving with this religious mentality, are a danger to everyone around them. I believe that when we're driving and we leave Jesus behind, Right? And we are flying down the road and all we care about is our deeds and how we look and how we sound and what people think. And we have this religious mentality that we are a danger to everyone around because they're looking, what does Jesus look like? And Jesus, as we'll see today, Jesus doesn't look like religion. Jesus looks like the gospel. Because religion is us trying to do it our way. But the gospel is, is, is Jesus' way. Actually, that's, that's something I want you to see. This is a huge point for today. If we're going to beat the rap of religion, we have to shift our focus from our way, religion, to Jesus's way, which is the gospel. Now we're gonna go through some passages today and it's, it's, gonna, be, it's gonna be quite a bit of scripture, okay? I apologize in advance for that, uh, but you know, I feel like some of you guys may be, may be behind on your Bible reading plan and I'm just here to help. Okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna do some, uh, read some Bible today, but here's what I ask. When I go through these passages, I, I, wanna, I wanna ask you to do two things. The first thing I want you to do is find yourself, is to be honest and find where do you fit in this passage? As far as your mindset and how you think and how you live, where do you fit? And then I want you to be honest and see, where's Jesus? Find Jesus. Because what, there's gonna be a line drawn in the sand in every passage we read between religion and gospel, which is Jesus. 
So I, I just ask you, faith promise, I, I, I believe this is something we can't take lightly. I believe this is not something that we can just comb over. I believe that, the, that our world needs the gospel. I believe that religion has had its turn and we see where that's gotten the world. I believe religion has had its turn and that's what's led to terrorist attacks and hatred and all these things. But I believe that the gospel that peels away all that and there's this overwhelming shining love is what the world needs. And I'm begging God that it would start right here in Knoxville, Tennessee at Faith Promise. Amen. All right. So let's, let's read through some passages together. The first is going to be in Luke 19, and I'm going to read you verses 1 through 10. Okay, this is that Zacchaeus guy. I got that song sung to me about a million times growing up, but I'm not going to let that bitterness out on you guys. Okay, so Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief ta tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was because he was, uh, because he was short Zacchaeus was a wee little man. We get it. Over the crowd, he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, this is huge. He was a tax collector. People thought he was a thief. But when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. This sounds like a very religious thing to do. Began to mutter. He... He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possession to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. I believe this is a, there, there is something in here that is huge. And if we're going to beat the rap of religion, we have to start right here. Because religion and the gospel operate on two polar opposite principles. Absolute opposite principles. And I believe we have to know this. This is, this is huge. If you're, if you're taking notes, you can just snap a picture of this. This is huge. Religion operates on the principle that our obedience leads to his acceptance right? If we do good things, then Jesus will love me. Our religion operates that obedience leads to his acceptance. The gospel operates on the principle that acceptance leads to our obedience. Jesus' acceptance, the fact that he loves us no matter what, that is why we, that's why we obey. That's why we love. And that's what we saw in Zacchaeus's life. Zacchaeus, Jesus didn't come look at him and say, hey, go give away your possessions, go pay everybody back, and then come and follow me. Jesus said, hey, I want to have, I must, I love that, I love that, because I believe Jesus is going to say to some of us today, I must dine with you, I must spend time with you. He said to Zacchaeus, I must spend time with you. And whenever Zacchaeus felt the presence of God, the presence of a, a, a non-judgmental Savior, he said, this stuff means nothing. I got to give it away. I believe if you're a Christian in the room that you want to make a difference. I believe that you want to change the world. I believe that you want to see your friends and family come to know Christ. But maybe you have tried to let that, that, that world change be fueled by doing good deeds. But you've fallen short every time. I believe if we want to see the world change, if we want to get radical, if we really want to make a difference, we have to let it be fueled by God's love. Right? There, there's no flaw in that. There's, there's, there's nothing, and, and here's, here's, here's what's so big. Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and said, I must dine with you today. I think that's big because Jesus wasn't concerned about what he did yesterday. 
And Jesus wasn't concerned about what he will do tomorrow. Jesus, believe, Jesus believes this, I believe this, I believe this for us today. If we will dine in the presence of Jesus today, he's gonna forgive what happened yesterday and he's gonna take care of what's tomorrow. What Jesus wants, what the gospel is about is about today. Religion is about what you did yesterday and hoping that you do better tomorrow. But that's not what the gospel is about. That's not what Jesus is about. Jesus is about today. Dine with me today. There is freedom in the gospel. You guys feel a little bit of freedom already? You guys feel a little bit? All right. So keep on, let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. <clears throat> the next passage I want to read to you is in Matthew 26, and this is 57 through 68. Okay, let, let me read this to you. Now, th this passage isn't as, as warm and fuzzy, but I believe there is an absolute game changer in here. This is when Jesus is on trial uh, by, by the Sanhedrin, about, about to be put to death, but we see our leader do something special here. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin, those the most religious people on the planet at the time, were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and, and, and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? Are you not going to defend yourself? Are you not going to say that we're lying about you? It's huge to see how our leader responds. Um, uh, are you not going to answer what the testimony of these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You, you have said it. Jesus finally responds, you have said it, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on clouds with heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? Is he, he is worthy of death, they answered. Then they went on to spit in his face and to mock him and to beat him. And that's whenever they went on to crucify Jesus. Now, we only see Jesus get frustrated uh, throughout his ministry a couple times. And it's never with prostitutes. It's never with thieves. It's never with the sick. It's never with people who struggle with addiction. It was always with religious people. So he's in a room full of the people who frustrate him the most. And as they're attacking him, as they're attacking him, as they're attacking him, Jesus wasn't concerned with reputation repair. Jesus was concerned with redemption. That's something we see, the, the difference between religion and gospel. Religion speaks for reputation repair. The gospel speaks for redemption. Now, again, this, this, this point may not feel as warm and fuzzy, but there's so much freedom in it. Jesus, uh, imagine if you were on trial and people were poking at you and saying, you're this, you're that, because if we're honest, that happens to us on a daily basis whether if it's from outside people or it's from the devil on the inside of our mind, hey, you're not good enough. Hey, you messed up. You're not a son or a daughter of, uh, of the king. Hey, you know what? It's, it's not worth being faithful to your wife. You just, need to, you just need to have that relationship because you're not getting the attention you deserve at home. You, you're getting these, these things, these things. And, but, but Jesus, we see Jesus not argue and fight back and fight back because it's useless. The enemy will never relent to fight for our attention and get us off of God, but Jesus focused on redemption. He didn't have to focus on reputation repair because his reputation was set, just like ours. There's so much freedom in the fact that we don't have to re repair our reputation. 
It has been set and we can focus on redemption. I believe that that is what our world needs. Our world needs a church who's ready to stand up and say, you know what? Say what you want about me. But hey, while you're taking breaths or thinking about the next thing you want to say, I just want you to know Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he loves you. And I don't care, again, I, I don't care what you have to say about me because my identity and your opinion of me, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's okay, but, but my opinion is set in Christ. And the God of the universe, you know, the one who spoke the sun to existence, he thinks I'm special, right? And you know, I mean, you're great and all, but I don't care what you have to say. So we, it, it's freeing to know that we can focus on redemption. That is when the church will, abs- revival will start when we see that. Let me, let me give you another passage that I believe there's so much freedom in when we separate religion and gospel. Now, you may have heard this one, okay? You may have heard this uh, if you've grown up in church. Maybe you haven't. I'm going to read it to you. This is the last long passage, okay? We can do it. We can do it together, okay? But here's what I, I, I need you to not zone out here because this passage will go from religion to gospel to religion to gospel, We'll see a couple characters in this passage, and they, it alternates between religious thought and gospel thought, religious thought and gospel thought. Okay, so, so I'm going to point it out, but just, just don't miss it, because there's, some free, there's so much freedom in this passage. So, so let's look at this together. This is going to be in Luke 15, 11 through 32, okay? And it says, Jesus continued. This is Jesus teaching. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. It's funny, the father just gave it to him, but he thinks it's his. It's funny. Uh, set off, uh, and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the land, in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to be filled uh, with, he longed, to, uh, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But it's important to note right here. That he, he's went in these short, just short verses, he's went from being a son to a slave. He's went from being a son of the house to a slave feeding pigs, starving to death, right? That, that's, that's important to know. But no one gave him anything. When, we came, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. This, do not miss this faith promise. This is religion right here. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He sinned, he messed up and stepped away from the father. And the enemy tells us right away, hey, you're a slave now. Hey, you know what slaves do? They only serve. They don't get to dine with the family. They don't get to dine with the dad, with the king. All they do is serve, and that is religion. All you do is serve. You keep your distance, and you serve, and that's what you do. You do your good deeds, and you just hope that the, that the, 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 the father of the house, that God will, will smile on you as a servant. But that's not what we see here. That's not, what, that's, that's not what we will see, how God wants us to view our life. He wanted to say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He's coming up with this whole big speech he's going to say to the father. 
Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But what is here? Here comes the gospel. Here it comes. While he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This is the gospel. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now it stops right here. But remember, the son had a whole speech prepared. He was going to say, I, I've sinned, and I'm not worthy to be called your son. Please make me a servant. But the father doesn't let him finish. And I believe if we will, if we will silent the whispers, the yells of religion, then we will hear the father stop us. And this is what he'll say to us today. He'll say, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring the ring and put it on his finger and a sandal put on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Now, in our case, it wasn't a fattened calf that he that he sacrificed when we came home. It was his only son, Jesus. But we'll talk about that a little bit more here in a minute. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate for this son of mine. This is what he's saying about us. This is the gospel. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. So they began to celebrate. Here comes religion. It's going to squeeze itself back in. Meanwhile, the, el the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, what is going on? Your brother came home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. But the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went to him and pleaded. Don't forget that. The father went to him and pleaded. I want to tell you something about that in a minute. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, here, here comes religion again, and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours comes home who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. But guess what? God always gets the final say. Here comes the gospel back in. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. It's, it's really special to see that, that God, no matter what we've done, no matter, because if we're all honest, we've prostituted ourselves out. Uh, in the Old Testament, whenever the Israelites would run away from God and they would serve other idols or they would do what they wanted to do, that God would say, you've prostituted yourself out to other things. You've given your love, you've left your first love and you've given your love to other things and we've squandered some of these things, but, but we don't, God doesn't have his arms folded. You know, in this story, the father ran down the road and that's a nice, that's a nice representation. But if you think about it, Jesus didn't run down the road Jesus ran down the cosmos. Jesus ran down the galaxy. Jesus ran down, and then he put all his glory and majesty into one little baby that was wrapped in swaddling clothes and put in a manger. But he didn't stop running then. He grew up, and he ran through temptation, and he ran through beatings, and he ran through lies, and he ran through false witnesses, and then he ran through the cross, and then he, he said, you know what? I'm not done yet because I want to save him. Then he gets up, and he runs through the grave to save us from, from a eternity separated from God, and he ran straight to us. That's a little bit longer than the road. You know what I'm saying? Is anybody excited that Jesus ran to you? It's exciting. There's nowhere that you've gone. There's nothing that you've spent that the Father isn't willing to sacrifice for you. There's a difference in religion here. Religion waits and watches for weakness like the older brother did. 
The gospel runs and rescues the weak. And I, I believe that this is something that if we get, if we could live this, if we could show this to the people around us, that we would see revival break out. We would see God absolutely change our planet, change our nation. Can you guys handle one more passage? One more passage, yeah? Well, one more, okay. So this, this one's shorter. Okay, so don't worry. Okay, I feel like I've caught you up on your Bible reading plan. Now let, let's just get a short one in, okay? Uh, this one's gonna be from Luke 9, 49 through 50. This is another conversation with Jesus. Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Because he is not one of us. Now, John is tattling on somebody and thinking he's about to get a, an attaboy from Jesus. But uh, unfortunately, John's about to find himself on the absolute wrong side of this argument. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against us is for us. This is, now, now church, we've talked about a couple things uh, that, that have really pertained to our life and our heart. But when we go out the doors at all five camps, when we leave today, this, this right here is what will save friends and families. Now, I gotta tell you, one of the reasons I do my best to live for God is because there's some people in here who you have somebody you love that doesn't know Jesus. There's people at every campus that there's somebody that you love who doesn't know Jesus. Actually, let's just do this. Let's just be bold. At every campus, all five campuses, if there's somebody you love, you care about, that doesn't know Jesus, I just want you to raise your hand. Somebody you care about. All five, don't, everybody. Everybody's hands up. We cannot afford to not take this outside the walls. Because we see this about religion, and we see this about the gospel. Religion passes out tickets to judgment. Religion passes out tickets to judgment, while the gospel passes out tickets to eternity. Religion passes out tickets to judgment. The gospel passes out tickets to eternity. Now, you know what? God wants, whenever Jesus came and died for us, he, he gave tickets to eternity. And how he would like for those to be passed out is through us. It's through us is how we live. And we, we won't pass those out living religiously. And we won't pass those out worried about how we look. But we will pass those out whenever we live and show that Jesus' love overcame everything we've done wrong. When we, re when we show, when we represent to the world that Jesus' love has overcome every shortcoming that I've ever had, every gap in my identity, Jesus filled it. Every weakness that I have, <clears throat> Jesus filled it. Every gap in my marriage, Jesus filled it. That's when we will pass out tickets to eternity in a way that is so, so special. But I'm concerned that that's not what's happening in churches across America. You know what I'm concerned is happening? I saw it in the grocery store. Um, JL is having a, my daughter is having a fit she wanted candy or something. I don't know what she wanted, but she's freaking out. So I do what I do when she does that. I walk up to her and I say, hey, little girl, sweetie. And I get her real close and I say, where's your parents? <clears throat> and I get up and I walk away from her. <clears throat> and I, I look and I say, where's your family? But you know, when we're in the grocery store, we do that. Whenever we're at the ball field, we do that. When we're talking about the election, we, when, we hear, when we hear people backbiting and fighting as a family, we think, oh, I'm glad I'm not a part of that family. I'm glad I'm not a part of what's going on over there. 
Church, when people hear us talking at work, at school, at the gym, about the election, do they think, mm, I'm glad I'm not a part of that family? Or do they think that family is where hope is? That family is where deeds won't do, but I'm loved and accepted no matter what. I feel like if we could take that personally and say, you know what? Deeds won't do. They just won't. Religion won't do. And we're going to create a family that goes far beyond religion and lives in the gospel. Because the last thing I want to tell you today is there is no life in religion. There's no life in religion. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle, which is where they kind of had church essentially, it was broken into two parts. There was the holy place, which is where the priests and the people did things. They did good works. They did holy works. That's, what, that's where they did it. And then there was a big curtain. It was 60 feet tall, and it was, it was somewhere between one and a half and four inches thick. It couldn't be torn. Actually, there was a Jewish historian. He wasn't a Christian, and he actually wrote, his name was Josephus, and he said if you put six horses on one end and six horses on the other end, you couldn't tear this curtain apart. It was made that way on purpose. In the Old Testament, God told them exactly how to make it. There was the holy place, then there was the curtain, and then there was the most holy place. The most holy place, that's where God's presence was. It's very too important to note that there's God's presence, there's a separation, and then there's our deeds. And all throughout the Old Testament, I believe the reason that Old Testament is there is to show us that our deeds do not get us into the most holy place. The most holy place where God's presence is, that is where life is. That is where life exists. That is where the overcomer comes out. That is where the prince or the princess that you are comes out. The, the, the priesthood, the holy priesthood that you were called to be, the, 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 the person who was put together inside their mom, the person who was made on purpose with a purpose, that happens in the presence of God in the most holy place. But in the holy place where good works are done, where toiling is done, where you're always trying to be good enough. And I don't know about you, but if I look at my life and I take an inventory, my bad, the things that I do poorly, the thoughts that I think that are sinful, all those things, way outdistance the good that I've done. Does that make sense? But luckily, whenever Jesus came and died on the cross, whenever Jesus gave his last breath, is a historical fact that that 60-foot curtain that was unbreakable was torn from top to bottom. And it actually says in Hebrews that now we have a way into the most holy place. We have a way into God's presence through Jesus' body, which he tore from top to bottom. The reason that Jesus had to come and die is because there's no life in religion. There's no life in religion. There's only life in the most holy place in God's presence. It's the only place that it dwells. And I, I believe I could tell you this and I could read you scripture and I could yell it at you, but... I just want to get pretty real personal with you. This week was supposed to look different for Rachel and I. The 15th on Friday, uh, we were supposed to be having a baby. We were, we were, um, we were supposed to be having our second child. Uh, but unfortunately, when we went in for the nine-week checkup, uh, they couldn't find a heartbeat. Now, I personally didn't know what that meant. I just thought it was too small. They couldn't find it. Rachel knew right away what that meant. And it was so hard. And you know what? It was hard in the moment. But every day when I hold 
the baby that I do have, JL. Every day that I, I hold her and I grow closer to her, I miss the baby. I never got more. I, I, I miss the thought that I, I could have I helped uh, potty train another baby, and I could have I could have taken another baby to Dollywood or on vacation, and I, I could have held another one. I could have heard him him or her laugh, and I, I could have we could have named him or her, and it would have been so special. But we never we never got to hold it because there was no life in it. And as I was preparing my sermon for the presence of God, and I was preparing this message for religiousness and and all this stuff, I realized there's no life in religion, and God knew that. And he was sitting on his throne one day, and I believe he was looking at, at the millions of the billions of sonograms of people who've ever lived on the planet, and they were dead, just like this one was. When I went to the doctor, there was no heartbeat in this little boy or girl. And I believe Jesus, our God, was sitting on his throne, and he was looking at him, and there was no heartbeat in our sonogram. But then he looked over to his right, and he said, there's only one way that I can make a heartbeat inside these sonograms. And it's to sacrifice my son. And I had this revelation and it was, it was crazy. I was working in the yard, I'm crying in the yard by myself. But you know what, it really didn't get hard until JL got out of the truck. And she had her Elsa dress on and she ran up and she said, Daddy, and, and, and I, I'm holding JL and I just start to cry. And I think that G God looked over at Jesus and said, Jesus, the only way we can have a relationship, the only way we can bring these sonograms to life is if you go and tear the veil, if you go and put religion to death and you bring about the gospel. So that's what he did. Jesus came and died on the cross for us so that there could be a heartbeat in your sonogram. Today, maybe you've never started that relationship. Maybe you know that you're dead and you know that you need life. You tried religion and it's never gotten it done and now you're ready to try the gospel. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me? <clears throat> in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that uh, God rose him from the dead, that you will be saved. <clears throat> So right now, we're going to do that together. We're going to declare together. I just want you to repeat after me. Let's, let's pray this together. You don't do anything alone at Faith Promise. Let's pray. Say, God, I know I've sinned, but I know Jesus died for me to bring life to my sonogram. I'm done with the religion. I want the gospel. You died for me, so I will live for you. I surrender my life. Be my Lord. With every head still bowed, every eye still closed, I just, I just want to have a moment with you. If you said, hey, today, I prayed that prayer for the first time, would you just, would you lift your hand up? I just, I just want to know I can pray for you and, 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 and we can be there for you. Great. Hands all over. Thank you. If I could have your attention, just one more thing. Everybody in the room, <clears throat> if I just want to challenge, I just want to beg you. As a church, as Faith Promise, let's put aside religion and let's walk in the gospel. That is the key to revival. That is the key to us seeing God's presence. And I don't know about you, I've gotten to taste it this weekend and I'm greedy for it. I wanna thank you from the student ministry for investing in us and letting us jump off of your shoulders. Faith Promise, this is the best church on the planet. Do you believe that? All right. Hey.
We love you guys so much. Walk in the gospel this week. Bring somebody back with you. Have a blessed week.